Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're listening to the Neil Reynolds Podcast. That was the voice of Ryan Fitzpatrick. To hear more leading NFL stars, coaches, and media personalities telling us their life stories, tune into the Neil Reynolds Podcast with me, Neil Reynolds. Episodes drop every Thursday, and we already have a back catalogue that includes the likes of Bruce Arians, Doug Marone, Raheem Moster, and the one and only Dan Hansis. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. The Neil Reynolds Podcast, dropping every Thursday. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. And it is great to have the NFL back. We are up and running. Cannot believe that it was almost six months since we were sitting there in Miami watching Mahomes and co pull off yet another comeback. Quite a lot has happened since then. Quite a lot of water under the bridge. But the NFL has always maintained it was going to get the show on the road on time. And it has done that. What a weekend of football we have had. So much to get into in terms of Sunday's slate. Brady versus Breeze. The Rams and Cowboys slugging it out. Some huge upsets as well. Everything we thought we knew, well, we might need to tear that up and start again. Helping us make sense of a whirlwind first NFL Sunday of the 2020 season. Delighted to check in with the great Greg Brady. Now, Greg Brady, it's only been about 16 hours since you and I did a live radio show together. So I figured that is that is far too long to be talking to you. So I, I, need, I needed to have you back. I need another Brady fix. <laughs> and you get it. Uh, and then some. And and we're, you know, I, Thursday felt really unreal with Chiefs Texans. And I mm. thought we, you know, you, me, we, you know, Will Gavin, we just felt very in the saddle. That felt like 
that felt normalcy surrounding us. And now we got, th- I keep forgetting, there's Thursday night games every week now. Like, it's been that way for years now. And I'm just used to that. We got the Battle of Ohio on Thursday night, Nat, to preview. Come on. My gosh, we've got a lot to get into. Yeah, we'll be dropping stuff on that, incidentally, on our social channels. I mentioned at the top of the show, Monday Night Football. Obviously, Greg and I recorded this on Monday afternoon, so the doubleheader of Monday Night Football will be reacting to that over on the NC show. But hey, uh, I don't care about that because we've got plenty to be getting into in terms of what went down in the first NFL Sunday of the season. There is only one place that we can start, uh, Greg Brady, and that is at the Superdome. The Saints taking down Tampa Bay pretty convincingly in the end. 34-23, the final. Of course, Brady versus Breeze was all the hype going into the game. Neither had a particularly uh, impressive afternoon. Brady and the Bucks in particular, and unsurprisingly, I guess, Greg, uh, spluttering, flattering to deceive, some moments of nice cohesion, but to the most part, by no means the finished article yet. Well, yeah, and and I wonder, Nat, in a game like that, were we going to overreact one way or another? And I, I've seen this, and you've seen it too, for for probably decades, that week one, I think it creates the most pronounced overreactions in any team sport, in any league, week one after the NFL. You are either riding super high or it's it's a real hard Monday to get through if your team doesn't you know get results on on a Sunday and there's a lot of good teams that lost football games uh, on Sunday that I know we're going to get to but I think with Brady especially when he goes to Tampa Bay and there's a uh, you know there's an expectation for Tom Tom Brady to be the Tom Brady that we've seen for several years in a row and to to beat father time. I mean, there's a reason he called his show Tom versus time a few years ago, uh, the year that the, the Patriots went to the Super Bowl against the Rams. But I'll tell you what, from that first drive, how good Brady looked, I was and the and the quarterback sneak for a touchdown. I was all in thinking this is going to, this could get out of control here. Like we have, is Bill Belichick watching this? Is Robert Kraft watching this? Are they selling Brady short? And then there were some missteps. Then there were some poor reads. The pick six was one of, that reminded everybody of the pick six against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl in Houston almost four years ago. So um, there were some struggles, but I, I think we were destined that one way or the other to look at the Buccaneers, especially with Brady arriving there, uh, look, look at the fact that Rob Gronkowski was a non-factor in the game and we were bound to overreact. Tom Brady's finished. He's done. And a lot of people have lost a lot of reputation. And I'd say as well, the NFL gamblers have lost a lot of money thinking Tom Brady's done in this year or that year or this other year over the last nine years or so. So it's early doors as uh, you English like to say, but Tampa Bay uh, didn't have a good performance yesterday. And and you're right. Neither Brady or Breeze, neither of the, uh, the 40 year old plus quarterbacks uh, look fantastic and, and look like they're capable of taking their team anywhere, but it's only one week. It is. And I'm glad you said that. Um, not least because we have uh, a set of overreaction specials uh, coming towards the end of the show. So I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to you diving mm-hmm. uh, two-footed into that. NFL Research, uh, God bless them, uh, really supporting your logic there. As they pointed out on Twitter, Brady is 14 and four, 14 wins and four losses in week one games in the previous three losses he had before last night. Uh, he's reached the Super Bowl in that season. <laughs> and of our research for that. So there we go. Um, and of course, we know that Tom Brady uh, is one of those quarterbacks that has to feel complete comfort uh, and complete faith 
in his receiving corner. It doesn't matter how talented, how experienced, as we saw last season with Mo Sanu, for example, uh, that those players are. If you haven't got into that rhythm uh, and, and Brady doesn't trust you yet or ha- you haven't got on the same page with him, then things can unravel. And we saw a bit of that yesterday, the Mike Evans uh, play, which interestingly, after the game, Bruce Arians uh, called out Brady for that, not Evans, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and suggested that Evans had, had uh, done everything correctly and that one was on Brady. Uh, so look, it, you're absolutely right. Let's not overreact to it. It's also worth pointing out how good uh, the New Orleans D was in, in many different respects. Brady got sacked three times. There were six quarterback hits. Uh, the secondary looked decent. Janoris Jenkins uh, strengthening things there as well. So it was a good all-round performance from the Saints D in particular. And, and there are clearly concerns on uh, on the Tampa Bay offensive line as well, which uh, particularly at left tackle, that might come back uh, to haunt them. Um, on to the Saints. Not uh, by any stretch, as you were suggesting just now, a vintage uh, performance from Drew Brees, either 160 yards, and as Pro Football Focus pointed out, uh, 62%, or thereabouts, 61.9% of those yards came after uh, the catch. Because uh, Breeze, I think it's fair to say, not on his uh, top of his game either. And uh, interestingly, when you look at the the recipients, the key protagonists in the Saints' offense last night, not the usual suspects. Michael Thomas, particularly anonymous, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, just the 17 yards, and and take away those two long pass plays. Alvin Kamara obviously caught one. There was a lot of a lot of yak, a lot of yards after catch for the Saints running back. And I think we'd even look at Jared Cook's uh, pass play, 46 yards for him. He only had 34 yards outside of that pass on four other catches. So I thought there were, and especially in the first half, Nat, I thought there was a lot of um, dink and dunk, if you will, for Breeze. Uh, I thought there was a lot of checking down for Breeze, which concerned me early early on uh, in the game and made me think that Tampa might have a shot had they had they scored on the next couple of possessions after the Brady sneak. Um, you know, we, we don't have a crowd there at the Superdome, but the crowd, uh, I was thinking about it at home watching it. The crowd would have got antsy. The crowd would have got a little tense. And we know what that's like. We've been in those stadiums. Many of our listeners have where the home team gets down almost no matter what the sport. And especially early in a season, a season opener, and you start to chatter a little bit and you think this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I anticipated. It's not what I paid for uh, also. So the Saints didn't have to worry about that and were able to sort of gather their ground a little bit, get things moving on the ground specifically uh, with Latavius Murray. And that's something to come back to Tampa Bay now. That's something that, the Buccaneers really struggled with one big burst of a, of a, a rush by Ronald Jones, the second and Leonard Fournette. I mean, you and I have seen a lot of him up close uh, with the Jags uh, in a, in a four year career. And it ended very unceremoniously there, but there wasn't a lot of faith in, in going back to him and he didn't earn uh, that faith. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta put some things in the, in the bank and, and use it as credit. Uh, as a professional athlete, and he hasn't earned it yet in Tampa Bay. Just the five carries for five yards, and as ready as some other Buccaneers look to play, he wasn't necessarily one of them. So uh, the six touches weren't terribly impressive for Leonard Fournette. But I, I still think this is a team that is going to find its way with its weapons. And and to your point, the trust factor with Brady among among the guys that he has to trust, uh, Mike Evans. Uh, obviously, he got some some things going very early on with Chris Godwin. And that was impressive enough for a guy as uh, as young as he is 
what, 23, 24 years of age. He's going to be a big, big factor for Tom Brady this year. And uh, and I still expect the Bucks to win a ton of games. But yesterday, uh, they didn't play well enough to win. And, and two big, crucial mistakes, including the pick six, uh, led to their demise. Yeah, it's a, a really good point you make as well in terms of the divisional uh, loss straight off the bat. That's, uh, you know, already put, given the Saints an edge in that respect, because we expect that to be, a, you know, a two-way uh, shootout for the South between them. It's interesting, the Fournette discussion as well. We were chatting after the radio show last night, Will and, and Ollie, our producer, uh, and looking at that Ronald Jones Fournette tag team. And Will, I think, made the point about the Bucks probably losing him, using him a little bit like LeGarrette Blunt, just, you know, red zone, short yardage, goal line looks. But I wonder whether he'll be uh, end up with a bit more of an expansive role than that. And they will have a, a very much a running back by committee. Very difficult to, to judge it on the sample size last night, of course. What did he make of uh, the fact that, that Gronk was, was so anonymous? I mean, he just did uh, next to nothing in terms of offensive uh, contribution anyway. Yeah, it's it's difficult to say yet, but I'm I'm sure that he would have liked to have been targeted a little bit more. The game certainly called for the Buccaneers to throw. That's for sure. They got in that position midway through the third quarter where you, you felt like three out of every four plays, uh, the, the run was only going to be utilized as a decoy or maybe a short yardage situation to keep the chains going. But just three targets, and he came down with just the two receptions. So they'll need more from him, um, especially if there there was some criticism about how slow he was moving. And look, if you're more of a public figure than your average player, if you have put yourself out there, as somebody that is, uh, you know, game for attention, there's just going to be criticism coming back. I, I, any athlete, you know, David Beckham dealt with that his whole career. If you're going to be out there doing this, uh, if you're going to be jet-setting all around the, the continent and you've got a sponsor here and you're filming a commercial here, when the lights go on and the whistle goes, you better be ready to play. So I think Gronk knows that. I actually think there is a... Um, a wiseness and a maturity. I just use those phrases with Rob Gronkowski in that. I think that's really interesting. We'll have to mark the, uh, <laughs> mark the tape that I did that. But I, do th- I do think he gets it. He, he gets who he is and what the demands are on him. And, and he'd expect more uh, in the weeks to come. So I don't look at it as a, as a guy that's going to you know, struggle getting back in the game. I think we've seen lots of players that, uh, that either haven't played because of injury or have been out for one reason or another, and they come back and, I do think the NFL sometimes is is like riding a bike, but he might be a player, and we don't know how much he they would have utilized him in preseason, but that missed having a preseason, that missed having not just the four preseason games. Again, he might have played sparingly and not played at all in, in two of them and not played at all in the other two, but that's a guy that probably with the time off, probably with all the extracurricular stuff he was involved in, I don't think we'd question his fitness or his his uh, dedication and and um, and his and his cardio, but I think Rob Gronkowski could probably could have used a full on training camp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and not the beneficiary of having one. Maybe it showed a little bit yesterday. I wouldn't think that's going to linger too deep into the season, or or then we were all wrong and the comeback was a bad idea. Right. Well, uh, time will tell, as you said. And I'm curious uh, and want to deep dive a bit more into the uh, Greg Brady take on. Rob Gronkowski's extracurricular activities, but that I, I guess is going to have to wait for another, <laughs> for another day and another show. Uh, okay, let's move on to Sunday night football. That's where we're going to go next. We figured this one was going to be a close one, and it was the Rams eking it, but not without, uh, I guess, a lot of protestation ultimately coming from Dallas. More of that in a minute. Let's start with Los Angeles. 
particularly how they started because it was formidable and a lot of talk going into the season about the Rams being a team that is going to bounce back by their standards and become a serious contender. Again, Greg Rosenthal was uh, putting that case forward to me a couple of weeks back. I've heard other people uh, big on the Rams this year, despite the difficulty of the division that they're in. And that position, that argument seems to be predicated on a rejuvenated offensive approach uh, from one of the most innovative minds already in, in his relatively brief NFL uh, career. Um, and, a balanced defense, a dangerous playmakers within that defense uh, as well. Uh, and early doors in this game, Greg, mm-hmm. that script seemed to be absolutely playing out. The seven play, 75 yard scoring drive in the first five minutes of the game. And if the Rams can maintain that level for, for much of the season, they are going to absolutely be uh, a formidable contender. It was a really, really impressive start to the game. And the Cowboys were affected early doors as well because with Leighton Van Der Esch going out, and that's a collarbone injury as well, which um, that could really come back to haunt them as the, as the season plays out because they're already quite light in the linebacker position anyway. The Rams really exploited that. We're running it 25 times, most of it down the gut. Uh, and Malcolm Brown, as opposed to Cam Akers, the, the uh, headline act as far as the Rams running game was concerned. But the Cowboys bounced back and kept it tight. What did you make of Dallas's uh, uh, performance all round, Greg? Well, good enough to win. That, that's for sure. And though if we're judging this as we would in any other NFL season under normal circumstances with home and road, and we understand there's travel involved and, and some environments at the stadium, take the crowd out of it. Uh, and, and we give extra points for winning on the road or playing what we call, quote unquote, a decent road game. I thought Dallas did that, and I certainly thought they, uh, you know, they held the fort defensively against the Rams. As you mentioned, they they didn't allow much uh, in in terms of huge plays from the running game, and a couple times um, Jared Goff found Robert Woods were the only times there were real big plays for the Rams' offense. But yeah, I look at Dallas and I say there's certainly enough there. I thought these were two playoff teams going into the game on Sunday night. And I haven't seen anything to change my mind. Remember, there's there's seven playoff teams this year. Couple that with the fact the Rams get a win that might have been a toss-up game going in that. And the San Francisco 49ers lost a game yesterday that people just didn't expect them to lose. We're, we're, we all might be divided about how good Arizona is in Kyler Murray's second year at, at quarterback and Cliff Kingsbury uh, running the show there. But San Francisco, that's, uh, that's a disappointing loss. As disappointing a loss as probably any organization ahead uh, of your if you're the NFC champs and you're the Super Bowl loser you, that's not a good showing for week one but Dallas did enough did, did enough to win the game the one thing I didn't love was I thought Dak Prescott took some losses in terms of you know scrambling and uh and, and he took three sacks and was hurried a fair bit so I want more from Dallas's offensive line I think they were a real good run offensive line finding holes for Zeke Elliott but I didn't think they were fantastic at protecting Dak Prescott. But also what I want from Prescott, and we all know his situation really, signed to a, to a tender and there could be a long-term deal uh, you know, in the works. And, and it's going to be big, big money. It's going to be well over $30 million for Dak and the Cowboys. I don't think there's any kind of trial balloon. I think they're pretty committed to him and, and he's going to sign on the dotted line with them. The question is just the amount and the term. But Dak needs to recognize when he's in trouble a little more than he did last night and throw the ball away and not take losses. And I thought there were at least two occasions in the second half in a tight game on the road that Dak Prescott could have done that. 
Looking at the Cowboys receivers and their production, uh, and it's, uh, we think, amongst the strongest trio uh, in the NFL, potentially, if CeeDee Lamb steps up in his, in his rookie season, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb all held to under 100 yards. One of the reasons for that, of course, was, uh, should call it a questionable pass interference call uh, on, with Jalen Ramsey involved. Tell us more. You didn't, certainly didn't think it was uh, a fair cop, did you? No, I thought it was, uh, you know, I hate saying it's because of the time of the game and the closeness of the game, but I want to see the players decided. I I really do. And I think uh, I I know that officials have gotten very flag happy with pass interference, but usually we don't see the offensive pass interference call uh, as one that we're, you know, kicking around and wondering if that was just a case of an official wanting to make an impact on the game. I, I wouldn't say he's driving home or back to the hotel saying, uh, you know, I really wanted to be impactful there. That's not what I'm getting at, but it's more a scenario of, of I, th- I saw it as two guys battling. I really did. I saw it as two guys doing equal amounts to A, prevent the other from catching it, and B, maybe, maybe make the catch themselves. And, and I, I don't think that's being selfish. I had nothing on the game. I'm not a dyed-in-the-wool Cowboys fan or Rams fan. Um, and I hope I'm not coming from the perspective that, wow, it was a good game and I want to see more of it. I wanted there to be overtime. I don't think it's that. I just think in the uh, under the guise of fairness, I thought the call was wrong. And uh, and I agree that Dallas got a little short change for their efforts. That said, that would have been some kind of defeat for the Rams to, to lose on a long pass play. They were probably time-wise, they were going to have to set up for the field goal and, and a touchdown would have been unlikely in a in a case like that. Remember as well, um, the Rams had opportunities to put that game away a little bit earlier. They missed that 29-yard field goal. Um, you know, that's something you don't expect uh, from the Rams and, and Greg Zerline. But, yeah, Sean McVay had uh, had a lot of chances to put the game away, I think, before that. But, no, didn't, you know, didn't love the call in the least. And, uh, by the way, it's Sloman kicking now for uh, the Rams, not Zerline. I should point that out. But uh, Greg, the leg made it, made it so consistent for the Rams over all those years that you expect the Rams kicker <laughs> to make his field goals at the end he of the day. So. <laughs> um, what do you make of Jared Goff's performance? Because he's very much one of those players. He's got his deal. He's been paid, but he's not exactly a quarterback that convinces the, the majority. If you think about, and you talked about Dak, I guess to some degree he is in that camp, maybe a level or two up. But uh, when you look at the elite players in that position in the NFL, whether they are part of the younger generation, whether they're uh, the wily old veterans still going strong, Goff, despite getting his team to a Super Bowl, despite having, as I say, McVay, one of the, maybe because it's McVeigh and, and the suggestion that McVeigh uh, is in his ear the whole time and he's not his own man and, and all of that diatribe, all of that negativity against Jared Goff. Nevertheless, the Rams buy into him, literally have bought into him. It's a big year for him, Greg. It's a big it, year. It, it, it is. And, and I think, you know, there's two things I, I think leap off the page for me about Jared Goff. First of all, let, let's deal with, We'll go shorter picture and then uh, smaller focus and then big focus. Small focus is I, I thought he was consistent last night. I thought he moved the play quickly. I thought he audible at the line a few times, as, as Chris Collinsworth noted. But I also think I was critical of Drew Brees for, for checking down, if not critical, then just pointing out that he was. I thought that was the case for Jared Goff. That was a safe 
very conservative. Don't throw the ball into traffic passing game for Jared Goff. But maybe again, maybe you got to play your strengths sometimes in uh, in in life and in sports. And that's what Jared Goff does best. He doesn't miss those short passes. Um, the the on depth that, target, on that the depth yeah. spot on four point nine yards was his average depth of target. PFF bringing the stats again. And that was mm. the second lowest of the week. Gardner Minshew was the only one lower than that. And over seventy percent of his yards. Uh, the passing yards he, he uh, generated, which was 275 instantly, no touchdowns, of course, were 70% after the catch. So it's very much that kind of Alex Smith style that we saw him play last night. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by those numbers. I didn't have them in front of me. I'm glad you did. And I'm not surprised that they're, uh, they're there. And, and I know we all bristle. And maybe it's such an overused term to call uh, a guy a game manager. Because really, at the end of the day, it's about getting the most out of the talent around you and, and being able to, to put W's up. I, I embrace wins and losses as a quarterback stat. Of course, it's not everything, but it sure isn't nothing either uh, in terms of whether you're a winner or not. So now the second thing is they go play the Eagles next. Next week, it's Rams at Eagles in what should be a great Sunday game. But there's that inevitable comparison to Carson Wentz. And if anything, uh, I know a lot of, lot of, you know, Jeff Fisher took a lot of stuff, if you will, for taking Jared Goff ahead of Carson Wentz when he did it. And certainly in the several games, remember, both guys struggled a little bit their rookie season, Goff especially. But a lot of people would have flipped that pick around after the first couple healthy years for Carson Wentz. Um, that's an interesting conversation now. It's more of a conversation than it was where it just looked obvious that the Rams had picked the wrong quarterback you know, in a one-two quarterback year. It's a little like how Luck separated from RG3 in terms of both effectiveness and staying healthy. Now, I look at Jared Goff and I go, does Jared Goff have the pace and the management skills that are a little bit better than Carson Wentz? Certainly, he's more durable than Carson Wentz. So it's more of a chat uh, to have. I, I think the Rams like their quarterback. I know you like Jared Goff. I like him. No, he's not a top five quarterback in the league. He's probably not even in the top eight, maybe top 10. But on that proverbial any given Sunday, I think there's a lot of NFL teams that would rather have him than their guy. I don't doubt that for a second. You're right. I, I'm a Goff apologist. I think he's better than the, the critics suggest. But to your point, and the much maligned term game manager, or it's a suggestion of malignment, uh, and he's definitely in, in that category. Look at the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks of the last 15 odd years, with the exception, I guess, of Flacco uh, with the Ravens eight, eight or so years ago. Because even Eli Manning, who was not at the level of most of the other quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls in the last 15 years, Manning went on real tears in both of those both of those runs, particularly in the playoffs, and, and an absolute clutch player is, is one of those quarterbacks that could pull something out of nothing. Now, I'm not suggesting Goff can't do that, and maybe actually the, there are parallels there in terms of playing level, if not playing star between the two of them. But then you look at the other quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl, not got there, not Garoppolo, not some of the others. Nick um, Foles, I guess you could mm-hmm. throw it as, as the other exception there. But even then, I mean, look at the playoff run that he had and how – uh, how significant his role within that run was. We all know, obviously, Mahomes uh, and Brady had Manning, of course, went there twice. I guess the, uh, the second time uh, that he went there, uh, the win against the Panthers, he was um, uh, more of a, a passenger, I guess, than at any other stage in his career. Um, but you look through Wilson, even all the way back really to Roethlisberger in his rookie season back in 2005, very few players at that level 
uh, actually get it over the line. So uh, it will be interesting to see whether Goff does uh, does take that head on and uh, the critics head on and, and, and does develop this season, at least in terms of reputation, uh, if not uh, performance. So uh, the Rams getting the win on the road. One more uh, on this one, as uh, on the road in LA, I should say, but uh, get the win opening weekend. One more on this one. Uh, the Dallas D and Mike McCarthy, very little we can completely conclude from, from just one week from, from four quarters, Greg. But what did you make, what were your initial takeaways in terms of the change of offensive style from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy? Well, I, I think it's going to still end up being that balanced offense to a great extent. Um, I, I often worry about the usage for Ezekiel Elliott. Like, we've gone way past the era where you got Sean Alexander carrying the ball 26 times. Or I remember Ricky Williams when he went from the Saints to the Dolphins. Uh, Dave Wanstead, just it felt like he ran Ricky Williams into the ground those couple of years. And you, you, you have no idea uh, with Ricky Williams whether that was a factor in his long-term decision to, to walk away from the sport before he eventually did come back. But uh, Zeke, I worry about a little bit. I think there's potential to overuse Ezekiel Elliott. He had the 22 carries last night. Does he have more if they're if they're way up and comfortable in that game? Because obviously the onus was on Dak Prescott to throw a little bit more. Remember, you know we got to go back to the uh, the Rams uh, playoff game against the Cowboys a couple years ago now, and the concept was they didn't use Ezekiel Elliott enough um, in terms of in terms of getting him the football, and it was a big reason the Rams went on and, and won that game. That game was in L.A. Uh, also at the old stadium, so. I, I think the balance is going to be there. Look, they made a great trade. I know Cowboys fans personally who didn't like the Amari Cooper trade at the given time when they made it. I did and thought this is you, you give up a late first round pick every day for you weren't trading for a 33 year old guy out of contract. You were trading at the time for a guy that had just turned 24. That was a fourth overall pick. And if anything, I'm sure John Gruden looks around and says, that might be a guy Derek Carr has never recovered from potentially losing, not just what he had then uh, with the now Las Vegas Raiders, though they won their game impressively uh, more, more a guy that they could have utilized the last two and a half years uh, in, in, you know, in a Raiders uniform, that's a clear number one. And that's something you've given Dak Prescott that Tony Romo always had with Des Bryant. And I think there's going to be a healthy balance there of, uh, of rushing and passing. And that's going to come in handy for Dallas. I, like I said, both look like playoff teams to me. Any defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, uh, I just I don't think you can miss the playoffs. I thought the Rams were the best team last year out of the playoffs in either the AFC or NFC. And if that seventh team had been in there, not sure if they would have qualified. But, uh, but I thought the Rams were clearly the most talented team not to make the postseason last year. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. I think they're definitely both uh, both playoff teams. I'm with you with you on that. Cam Akers, uh, new running back, didn't see a huge amount of action, uh, but uh, that's something I think we're going to come back to in terms of how rookies are acclimatizing so far because that was one of the uh, the fundamentals we were told. We were all saying, let's be honest, Greg, this season continuity is everything. New faces, whether they're mm-hmm. rookies, whether they're old stages in a new environment, uh, it's going to take time to adjust. Well, it certainly didn't seem to take Cam Newton a huge amount of time to adjust in uh, New England because, of course, he fits firmly into the latter category of a player that is tried and tested, albeit one, of course, who's had uh, significant injury issues over the last couple of years, but landing in an entirely new infrastructure uh, with an offense, uh, a style of offense, uh, an offensive coordinator who has driven uh, and whistled a very different tune over over the years. And that was one of the most intriguing things about the move. Of course, Cam landing in Foxborough with Josh McDaniels. What kind of offense would the two of them cook up? And Newton 
had said in the offseason, well, the, the McDonald's has got a, a player that he's never had before. And we saw that absolutely. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to join the dots that they were going to be more prolific on the, the ground. And certainly their quarterback was going to be prolific on the ground. But that was what uh, the Patriots really emphasized, wasn't it, Greg, in their 21-11 win over Miami. Newton rushing for two touchdowns. It was a team-high 15 uh, rushing carries for 75 yards. He added an extra 155 in the air and pretty decent uh, conversion rate as well, 15 of 19. And it was rush, 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 all the rage for New England getting this job done against Miami. Yeah, I mean, think about the, uh, there were five players that had four carries or more for the Patriots. Uh, James White was kind of an afterthought, but still had five carries, 22 yards. Sony Michelle, 37 yards. I bet you got to go pretty far back in time to find the last Patriots quarterback to lead the team in rushing in a game. I know it wasn't the last guy, but I'm also pretty sure it wasn't Drew Bledsoe either for several yeah, years yeah. in a row. I don't, I don't quite, it may never have happened to be perfectly honest in the uh, vaunted history, which wasn't that vaunted of the new England Patriots uh, before uh, 2001 or so. So look, they, they just not to me, they had to get that game out of the way. Uh, they were playing a less talented squad. They were at home. They just had to breathe and get through it. And there's been so many changes to the Patriots, uh, so many that you forget who's there and who isn't. Uh, strange to see Kyle Van Noy playing for the opposition. That was a big, big move for the Miami Dolphins in the offseason, uh, adding him. He had five tackles in the game. But, you know, I, it's, it's, tr- it's tricky because, as I said, we're going to overreact to Tampa uh, giving up 34 points and thinking, man, is Tom Brady going to have to be in a bunch of shootouts with other teams at, at you know, almost 43 years of age? And we were going to overreact to the versatility of Newton. He really didn't make a mistake. He was solid, obviously, carrying the ball uh, on the ground. But again, you know, just no, you know, to no uncertain ter- in no uncertain terms, we're just not sure if he has a star trademark number one receiver. He had that with Josh Gordon. Tom Brady did for several games last year. Um, Carolina obviously had that for early in his career. Cam Newton had Steve Smith the first couple of years of his career. We just don't know whether there's, um, there's, there's obviously Julian Edelman, who's the, the stalwart and, and traditional guy. Uh, Nikhil Harry, is that the player? Uh, the, uh, the Canadian-born player who was the last pick in the 2019 first round? I, I don't know, um, but... It's gonna. It, it didn't. It, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't essential for the Patriots to get by the Dolphins yesterday to have that big guy that can so-called stretch the field that Tom Brady seemed to be lacking so many of those years uh, in late in his Patriots career. Yeah, I had Edelman, the leading receiver, uh, to play that out. Five catches for fifty-seven yards. And Keo Harry had a similar number of catches, thirty-nine. Uh, and there was pretty slim pickings outside of that. James White coming out of the backfield. Ryan is their new tight end. You know, picked up a couple, but yeah, it absolutely a concern. There's no no doubt about that. Uh, is it a concern for Miami that Fitz was so out of sorts? Three interceptions for him. The offense couldn't really get anything uh, going, and he wasn't really pressured that much either. It wasn't like they were, the Dolphins, mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots, are getting in uh, in his face. The line held up pretty well from what we could work out. So inevitably, back to overreaction Monday. When's two are going to start? Everybody's clamoring. That's ridiculous. But nevertheless, given how how good for the Dolphins Fitz was last season, just dueling it out, duking it out, keeping them in games they should never have been in, and really adding it to galvanizing that fighting spirit the Dolphins really needed last season, was such a significant part of that, really, when it could have been a, a, a horrendous year for Miami. It ended incredibly positively, and they've rolled into this season with high expectations. It was a pretty flat performance from them all around 
what do you think will play out there? They'll hold firm with Fitz, but for how long before the clamoring gets too much, Greg? Yeah, the, there will be a clamoring at a certain point in time. And I made the point on the show yesterday without fans, uh, uh, that's yep. maybe they've got a little bit of extra wiggle room because you're not going to hear the boos when there's a Ryan Fitzpatrick incompletion or interception. I think the Chargers, who struggled to score points, though came out on top, uh, dealt with that in Cincinnati yesterday where uh, the L.A. Chargers won't have that obviously transitioning potentially from Tyrod Taylor um, to uh, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. So I think, I think Fitzpatrick has some time. I'd be shocked, honestly, Nat, if there's any change in quarterback in the first four or five weeks. Because, again, Tua didn't have a preseason. You, you may see him get some spot moments in games. Maybe they think he's a guy that, could, that should come in on short-yarded situations. But remember as well, this is their crown jewel. This has to work for the Dolphins. They've tried it one way. They've gone quarterbacks in free agency, uh, first rounders in Ryan Tannehill, and don't think that wasn't painful last year. Uh, and you and I, you and I uh, being uh, Dolphin supporters, know what that's like, knowing in your heart of hearts Ryan Tannehill isn't the guy, being so sure of it after the first couple of years of his career, maybe a reach when they picked him at number eight, and then watching him win playoff games with mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans when, uh, you know, when, when the last time the Dolphins made the playoffs, Matt Moore kind of had to come in for an, an injured and inconsistent Tannehill mm-hmm. and save the season and win a couple games down the stretch. And Matt Moore, is a, that's nice to have on your bench, but if Matt Moore is your starting quarterback, it's documented. Your team's not going very far. So they've got, they've got an, uh, you know, they've got almost encase Tua in, uh, and, and protect him. And not that, again, the fragility and the health that he's built back up after, after basically what happened at Alabama in his senior year, having to give way to, to uh, you know, Jalen Hurts and having to, to watch from the sideline, probably watch being the number one overall pick, that concept evaporate. Um, better safe than sorry with Tua. And it just depends, Nat, it depends what kind of season the Dolphins are hoping to have internally with Brian Flores. I, I wouldn't think expectations were higher then another five or six win season. So um, these free agent signings that they've got, the guys they've brought in, uh, Kyle Van Noy, obviously I mentioned him. Um, I'd even take a guy like uh, like Devontae Parker, who's their own draft pick, but he's going to miss some time now, apparently with a hamstring injury. Um, they're not expecting him to play next week in week two or maybe even the week after in week three. So expectations are kind of tempered based on how sort of, yeah, flat as a pancake their offense was yesterday. It, that leads nicely into, you mentioned the significant change the Dolphins have had in, in terms of their roster. And the majority of those, uh, despite the, the, the number of draft picks they had in, in this draft more than anyone else, I think 13, but a lot of vets coming in and, and a lot of change. And as we said earlier on, there is a, an understandable and predictable uh, lack of fluency that we're seeing to the most part. But one of the other big narratives going into the new season, Greg, was rookies. It, it, carrying on to that, rookies in particular are going to suffer because of what's happened with COVID and the lack of preparation, the lack of typical preparation. The acclimatization to the NFL is going to be really, really complicated uh, for them. Well, Menelik Watson was in studio uh, with us last night on our radio show. Of course, the former uh, Raider at Denver Bronco, uh, w- uh, one of the Brits that has made good in the NFL, uh, a real hero for, for our generation in getting that done. And he's back in Britain for a bit. And he it was great. He was terrific. Hung out with us for an hour and uh, was talking so eloquently and so uh, interestingly on, on so many different subjects, particularly uh, social activism and, and the state of America at the moment and, and real insight there. We thank him for that. One of the other really, uh, I think, profound things that he came out with was to do with rookies and pretty much everyone uh, to a person that I can think of, Greg, has, has followed that argument saying it's going to be even harder for rookies this year than any other year. 
But Menlik put together, uh, put forward rather the alternative arguments that actually because of the way uh, that rookies have been uh, indoctrinated into NFL franchises, it's, uh, they've had more time to get their head around the enormity or, or of the situation or, or the fact that it, it shouldn't be a situation you consider as um, a particular reach. You're just playing football. And actually, unlike going into camp, into the locker rooms, into that culture early on where you have the potential to feel phased by it all, the way that rookies have been ingratiated into the NFL this season is, is a slightly... Uh, less abrasive uh, 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 introduction to, to the league. And he thinks rookies will benefit from that. And to the most part, for what we've seen so far, that might well play out that way. Well, and I think veterans, there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more at stake with a rookie. You're coming in, uh, you know, very fresh face. Once you've learned things and once you've learned uh, the playbook and once you've learned sort of there's a, there's a decorum, there is a, uh, you know, an etiquette, if you will. It's a little like playing golf. Once you realize, you know, who, who putts first, not to walk on the other guy's (laughs) line. Uh, who, you know, how to behave, not, not chat or uh, make a phone call when someone else is teeing off. I think those, th- those <laughs> things can transfer to the NFL locker room. Those things can transfer to any sports locker room. And, you know, we always think, you know, the, the, you know, there's a big signing in the Premier League and you're like, well, that guy's going to have to make an adjustment. Yeah, but if he was so, you know, so valuable and he was so valuable as, as a college football player or that Premier League player was so valuable at a, at a Bundesliga team or a Serie A team, they already know. They already know what the, what the etiquette is and they know what the culture's like. And for all these guys that were stars at Alabama, LSU, uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, they're well aware already um, that there's a pecking order, that sometimes rookies are, are seen and not heard. But the idea is as well to be productive. I think that's interesting. That's an interesting thought in that a full training camp, if anything, might emphasize to a rookie, you are a rookie. And eliminating the full training camp and eliminating the preseason games and and some of the uh, some of the steps I suppose veterans players might use hopefully in a um, you know in a well you know well intentioned uh, mannered way that to keep to keep rookies down and maybe we have a little bit less of that coming into this season I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it was, it was a really good point he made. And just to follow on, and we'll move on to, uh, because we have a running order here. And I'm surprised as you are, uh, Greg Brady, of course. <laughs> I know Ollie gets very cross uh, if, we, if we deviate too far. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's exactly what he said on, on Thursday night. He said he had butterflies in his stomach and he was nervous as anything, unsurprisingly. But then, you know, the first hit he took, the first snap he took, he was playing football again. And, uh, uh, and he certainly played a bit of football on Thursday night, didn't he? Uh, already, I think, a lock for... Uh, for Rookie of the Year, it seems. Uh, right, we threw out on social media earlier on today uh, at the NC Show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Biggest surprise of the weekend, and we've got a lot in. And it's like uh, Die John, thanks for this Die, uh, has got a copy of Ollie Thornton's running order because he has written <laughs> uh, Washington Jags and then Trubisky slash Bears fourth quarter. Um, all of the above, I think, Die. So thank you for that. And thanks to all of you. Robbie Dunn uh, involved, weighed in with uh, Trubisky, uh, as well. Robert Stevens, like the Raiders D stopping Carolina on fourth and one. That's uh, yeah, something that I think Raiders fans were, were put, it, put a right smile on their face that the Raiders could get it done. Dean Mitchell Trubisky saving the day. I mean, Trubisky, let's go there next. One of um, the most maligned players in the NFL right now, living on borrowed time. Everyone amazed he won the starting gig against Nick Foles. How long? How was the over-under on how many weeks before he gets yanked from the Chicago Bears? But Trubisky uh, putting one up against the haters, Greg Brady. What do you make of Chicago's performance and of Trubisky's performance? 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a big step forward. And I don't know where the next step comes. And I don't know if there's a next step before there's a step backwards. But I couldn't <laughs> help but be impressed by what Mitch Trubisky did uh, in this particular game. And he's heard the criticism. And remember, he's he's documented the fact that he didn't even like walking you know, into the facility and hearing speakers blaring out ESPN because they're talking right. about him or talk radio talking about him. And remember as well, remember the guy, although there's a little bit of a, a lag period in between, remember the guy he's following um, in Jay Cutler, who was very, very polarizing in his time in Chicago. And yet a couple seasons really caught fire, had a couple 10 win seasons. The Bears, I was there that day hosting uh, on commentary for the NFL title game at Soldier Field when Cutler was hurt. The year Aaron, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay went on the road and won all three playoff games at the Eagles against uh, an MVP candidate, Michael Vick. They went down and just, you know, ran the pants off the Atlanta Falcons at the Georgia Dome. And then they go up to Soldier Field, not too far to uh, basically you drive there instead of fly there. And they win that game. Now, Cutler, I don't know that he ever really recovered for, from Chicago fans in not being able to finish that game, but it was a legit Was that the injury. exercise bike game? Was that yeah, that's, was, he's yeah. on the exercise. Exactly. He's on the exercise bike and, uh, and can't get back in the game. And people are wondering, well, you know, basically you should be, you know, in, in an emergency room right now if, if you can't finish that particular game. You'll, I'm looking it up as we speak. But Caleb Haney's our man. Nat, that's the hey, guy who finished that hey, particular game God, in backup quarterback, uh, <laughs> backup quarterbacking lore. Yeah. And the Bears only lost 21-14. So it's not like Green Bay rolled the table on them and, uh, and pounded them. But bottom lining it, I think, I think Chicago, like Miami and maybe like Buffalo pre-Josh Allen, there's not a lot of patience. And Detroit pre-Matt Stafford, I can tell you, there's not a lot of patience for quarterbacks. There's not a lot of patience given. It's not Trubisky's fault what the fan base has been through and that they haven't found a consistent guy to uh, take them anywhere since Jim McMahon um, or take them to the Super Bowl at the very least, and that's been 35 years. But I do look at Trubisky and I see, I see the flaws. I see the problems. No, he shouldn't have gone where he went in the draft. No, he shouldn't have been a top three overall pick. Not in a million years. He was second, and the Bears traded up to get him in 2017. So they made some mistakes, but I do think there's there's time left, and there's a window of, of time for a 26-year-old Mitch Trubisky to maybe win some football games. Remember, he's now 24 and 18 as a starter. I never thought for a second, I told you this yesterday, I never thought Nick Foles was going to challenge him for the starting job, even though I know Bears fans wanted that quarterback controversy. Now, I could be wrong. He could throw five interceptions for the Bears next week, and that's and it's all for nothing. And, and maybe he's on the bench. But I thought it was I, you know, do you just I thought it was a step forward. Do you agree that it was, but you don't know if he'll take another one? I, I think it definitely was, no, no doubt about that, and, uh, and is evidenced with the uh, really significant wave of social media support for him, right? You know, uh, I, I don't know I'd go as far as to say Bears fans want him to succeed. You know, Bears fans that I know I think already have right on the edge. I mean, of course, if he puts a run together, they suddenly find themselves, you know, 4-0, and 5-1, and one, and Trubisky is ball, and then, then if, uh, they, can, they, ha- they can have their minds changed. Maybe this will be the start uh, – of a new Mitch. You can only live uh, in hope. One of the other suggestions via social media for upsets and surprises of uh, the weekend, Dan, the forest man. Thanks for your tweet at Dan at, uh, at Jaguars. He tagged them in as well, which is nice of him. Uh, Jaguars for me. Now all the players they offloaded to stay in the game and win it, expecting a good season now from Gardner Minshew. It was 
extraordinary. I couldn't find a single person that thought that, I mean, not many that thought they would cover the, the, the spread. They mm-hmm. were uh, eight-point underdogs against Phil Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, and Gardner Minshew masterminded uh, a win uh, for me, the, the upset of the weekend. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Washington is a close second, uh, but yeah, it's, it's Jacksonville all the way. And well, I think this was one half Jacksonville playing with some confidence, uh, some youthful exuberance. I think the other half was Indianapolis uh, not playing well in the second half and giving the game away. And they obviously had, you know, the Marlon Mack injury doesn't help. Uh, but I would, uh, I would really question. We talked about Philip Rivers uh, in in weeks previous here and uh, and uh, on the Sunday show, and I do wonder about the wisdom in Jacoby Brissett, who won them some games last year, sitting there uh, and just kind of growing another year older in what should be his prime. I do think he could start for several other NFL teams and and be better than that than that starter is. Uh, and letting a 39-year-old Philip Rivers go out there, and uh, I know the Colts didn't punt yesterday, but that's the thing. They, you know, they were stuck in a lot of situations where, uh, you know, they forced Philip Rivers into mistakes or they settled for field goals a couple times instead of touchdowns. So, um, but yeah, what could, to double back on the Jags, uh, James Robinson. That's a great success story. Yeah. Um, the the 28-yard pass play, the 62 yards uh, off the ground. Um, Chanel Jr., C.J. Henderson had a pick and three passes defended. So, look, I if there, there's bad football teams that are young that they hear the noise and, and they hear the chatter. You're going to stink. Every team you play is going to be better than you this year. They know what the odds are. They know what the expectations are. And they either accept it or they revolt against it. And it, it took some time. But I thought the Dolphins, as we were talking about earlier, did that last year after people saying, are you going to go 0-16 or just 1-15? Well, they went and won five games. And they were obviously underdogs in at least four of those games. Jacksonville could be intriguing this year. So the best laid plans go to waste sometime. Though Jacksonville may have orchestrated, um, you know, an offseason in which they're hoping, perhaps, uh, to to be one of the you know have one of the top three picks and and then start spending a lot of the money that they've traded out in the Fournettes and the Ramseys et cetera et cetera over the last few years. Uh, maybe this may not go according to plan. And I know there's Jags fans that'll tear their hair out of the idea now of being six and ten and drafting ninth. But we see it seemingly every year a team uh, you know get get is better and uh, puts themselves actually in a worse draft position based on the ex- compared to the expectations at the start of the year. Maybe the Jags are that team this year. That's a really intriguing question, actually. Would you rather your team won you know four or five of the last six uh, and therefore went into the offseason with a bit of momentum, a bit of optimism, and as you say, uh, seriously affect their draft position? It depends what you're, you're gunning for, right? And I guess. Mm-hmm. That will play out with the Jags if Minshew is the real deal because people aren't aren't credibly buying him. I know Jags fans love him as a cult figure. Some of them re- do buy into him and think he is the quarterback you can build a team around. But let's face it, most neutral observers aren't convinced yet that he is. If anything, most seem to be convinced he's not. A great player to watch. We all drink the Kool Aid and get you know excited about watching the kind of style of player that he is in it. Uh, and yet, I don't think many people think credibly, yet. Yeah, I'm going to build my team of the next six, seven, eight years around this guy. 19 to 20, 173 yards, three touchdowns, no picks yesterday. <laughs> so, you know, Minshew, with uh, not much around him, defensively, not much around him at all, but offensively, uh, a young cast of characters around him, untried, untested, and still getting a performance like that out of them. Really impressive there. So maybe individual performance of the week, I would throw him in the mix. And the Jags, definitely, uh, for me, 
the upset of the week. Not too far behind, though. I think we got to give props to you. You mentioned Washington's win. Uh, we got to talk about that and the cards uh, beating the 49ers as well. Let's start with uh, the former. A couple of lines on uh, the Washington football team uh, falling behind quickly uh, against Philly. And we thought, here we go again. This could get ugly, but they battled around. They stayed in it. We knew this defense was going to be competitive and Chase Young uh, in to many people's estimation, Greg, the best player in the draft, hands mm-hmm. down, uh, stepping up already like he's uh, been playing uh, in the pros uh, forever. Great reports on on Chase Young. Really, really solid all-round performance, not least offensively as well. So what did you make of Washington surprising us all starting the season with a win? Yeah, really surprised. And and I think Washington, we, we sometimes misidentify and link together the dysfunction off the field, the Daniel Snyder stuff, all the stuff that's been uh, in the papers here. Then we look at the, the nickname change, um, inevitable as it as it may have seemed uh, in, in the current climate. That wasn't something anybody was predicting a year ago because as many things as we've moved uh, off the field and, and off soccer pitches and off hockey arenas that don't seem right about a nickname or logo or, or a front office in general uh, to, to, you know, to make it more diverse. This is one like Roger Goodell never broached this as a topic. Roger Goodell never publicly or even privately to, to the, to those that would know was putting heat on Daniel Snyder to change things up. So that's the off field stuff. And it's still, it's still a mess. There are certainly Washington fans that will never believe that that team will be successful. Well, Daniel Snyder owns it, but there are Lions fans that feel that way about the Ford family. There are Cincinnati fans that feel that way about the Brown family. So that's not, that's not a strange thing in the NFL to on the field stuff. I do wonder if we, if, if we saw a bit of a mirage yesterday or we've sold the team short, I know it's, it's a, you know, it's a sexy pick to take a quarterback in the top five. It's sometimes even a sexy pick to take uh, you know, a middle linebacker chase young, as good as he was in college, as you know, probably the best player in the draft. And he looks like a lock for a defensive rookie of the year based. I'd say that before yesterday and it gets galvanized even more yesterday. The numbers are really, really deceiving. Like he had a, a sack and a half, and a forced fumble, but from watching back, and I didn't watch a ton of it live as we were focusing in on other games, but you look back at some of the highlights of it and read the stuff uh, of people who watched every play of the game, he had an impact on so many more plays than the stat line ends up giving him credit for. So there's something there. The other thing is Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, got sacked a few times, uh, also a former teammate of his at Ohio State. Um, it, again, just a sort of non you know, non-exciting quarterback pick. If there ever was one at 15, I think a lot of a lot of Washington fans just sort of shrugged their shoulders when they took Dwayne Haskins. But I thought he was steady enough and made most of his mistakes in the first half where they belong and started to outplay Carson Wentz quite obviously. Uh, and a big part of that was the eight sacks that Washington hung on him, but started to outplay Carson Wentz a little bit. So they may have more in, in Dwayne Haskins than I thought. But again, Week one, am I overreacting or am I seeing things, you know, in the in the clear light of day that tells me Washington's a little bit better? I can't believe they'll have more wins than either the Cowboys or Eagles at the end of the season. But look right now. I mean, they're on top of the who's who'd have thought the Cowboys and Eagles both lose. Washington sits there uh, in first place in the <laughs> right. division. It may not last terribly long. It might be the only time we see them solely in first place all year. But Washington fans have had a lot of misery, a lot of just upheaval on and off the field. They'll take it for right now. 
Yeah, big time. Uh, the other of uh, the three, the final one of the three, in terms of the, the biggest surprise of the weekend, the Cards uh, beating the 49ers. Kyler Murray, uh, talk about preseason buzz uh, playing out uh, and living up to the billing in week one. Kyler Murray, a lot of people saying, well, he could have this breakthrough year, this Lamar Jackson style year where he pushes himself into the MVP conversation. Based on what we saw last night, Greg, he is on point for that as well. Looked electrifying and in contrast made uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I, uh, and as long as I'm listening to the show, will know I am a, a staunch supporter of, I believe in Garoppolo. And going back to our conversation earlier on, in the show, I definitely think Garoppolo is one of those players that has the uh, all-round playing smarts to, to, to win a Super Bowl, be instrumental in that Super Bowl win, I think was the point earlier on. So mm-hmm. I believe in Garoppolo. Uh, I'm saying that off the bat, but he was not the races yesterday. Now, we've got to look at what happened. Kittle, of course, in getting injured, uh, didn't help matters. Uh, Debo Samuel wasn't there. The rookie, Brandon Ayuk, wasn't factoring either. So it was a depleted set of weapons he had around him. Nevertheless, hugely disappointing start to the season for Garoppolo and co. Well, it was. And and uh, this Super Bowl hangover thing gets talked about a fair bit. And uh, I'll have to bring it next time I'm on. But I've, I've tweeted about it before and uh, and noted that the team that loses the Super Bowl often has huge trouble making the playoffs uh, the next year. Uh, th- and that's the Super Bowl loser, not the winner. So outside of the New England Patriots, who bounced back off that Philadelphia loss that we were both there for in Minneapolis and beat the Rams the next year, usually look at the Rams last year, out of the playoffs. Look at the Falcons the year after they blew the 28-3 lead, out of the playoffs. Carolina hasn't won a playoff game since they were Super Bowl losers. So you double back over time, you see it a lot. I wasn't expecting the 49ers, and I'm still not, to miss the playoffs. But what what's being asked of them in the NFC West, where I think the best three teams are that will finish one, two, three. NFC, the AFC North may change my mind about that. If either of the Ohio teams steps up and is really good, they both lost yesterday in different circumstances. But I think this is the only division that can necessarily happen in. Some people like the NFC North, I should point out, because they like the Lions. But we saw what transpired with them yesterday. So it's going to be a tough division to win games in that. And that's one that the 49ers are really, really going to want back. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, no, no interceptions, but there was just nothing exceptional about his play yesterday. And we saw a lot more checkdowns as well to, uh, to Mostert than, than we would have necessarily expected. Look, you also take George Kittle off the field, and that's a factor, and it needs to get talked about and discussed that he had to play a good chunk of the game, a game they ended up losing by four points at home, and he had to play a good chunk of the game without George Kittle. Mm. Do that to the Cardinals. Take DeAndre Hopkins off the field for uh, for a couple possessions, and Arizona would have struggled a lot more than they did. By the way, how's how do Texans fans feel watching that game? They lose Thursday night, so they're like, oh, a Sunday where – nobody, you know, we're nobody, we can have our full focus and watch any game we want. And you sit there and watch your former number one receiver light it up against the 49ers secondary like that. That had to be, I'd have some stomach pain after watching DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) If I'm a Texans fan, toss up 151 yards uh, with, with barely a sweat broken at the end of the game. I mean, it was extraordinary. Uh, I mean, just into lockstep straight away, Murray. Uh, and Hopkins, uh, that one uh, in terms of preseason narratives playing out as as we expected, making maybe making that team into a, a playoff contender, and maybe that is the difference, the evolution, the maturity of their young quarterback. 
and giving him one of the best receivers in the business. Okay, uh, so a close call on that one. But uh, Jacksonville, I think, upset, surprise of the weekend. We're going to end the show, Greg. I'm going to fire six different uh, overreactions uh, to you based on our opening Sunday. Overreactions that we've not taken verbatim from from social media or from hot takes uh, <laughs> around the NFL world, but mm, kind of paraphrasing because there's a lot of buzz on each of these happening right now. We love it. We love an overreaction. So uh, let me uh, fire them at you. You were going to decide whether you feel it's a fair and balanced and reasonable position to take or it is a wildly unrealistic overreaction uh, week one. Okay, sound good? Yeah, love it. Love the love the concept, and uh, I bet you I get more wrong than right. So I'm I'm okay. warning you. I'm setting the bar very very low for myself. Unlike the picks <laughs> yesterday of actually who will win the games, this will be a harder thing for me to a uh, harder hurdle for <laughs> me to climb that. over. You did nail that. Right. Uh, let's lead off. Josh Allen will establish himself as an elite quarterback this season everybody buying into josh allen taking the jump in to the top tier he had 300 yards in the air um, 57 on the ground carrying on where he left off uh the first bills quarterback i'm reliably informed by ollie our producer the first bills quarterback to do that uh, since 2016 not that it's a particularly high bar but nevertheless he'll take it so josh allen is this the year that josh allen becomes an elite player in the nfl great no, I like Josh Allen. I do. Um, uh, but I do not think elite is in his status. And I guess I, I would consider elite as in you can see the guy winning games when a lot of stuff around him isn't going great. And if you took him off the team, if you took Josh Allen off the bills, they're basically, let's say, a five win team or below. I don't see that yet with Josh Allen, but I think he's in the top half. And I think the alignment of him is uh, a little bit off base. I think this is a good to very good quarterback that you could win a playoff game with maybe two, but I don't see Josh Allen just yet as, as in that evolution to, uh, to make that big step up. By the way, our guy, Will Gavin's going to get himself blocked by the uh, Buffalo Bills team account. <laughs> I was, I, I was stoking that up just a little, little bit on Twitter. Uh, the, it's a great point you make on Allen though, but at the second point, I completely agree. If you take him out of the equation, yeah, it's not like losing. Uh, you know, insert. They're not. They're not falling to three and thirteen without him. Uh, but the first part of that, that's interesting. He is. He does have that game-changing ability, albeit more often than not with his legs. But yeah, he's the kind of player that I think can turn a game. Can turn a game. Uh, with a single piece of skill. Mm -hmm. And you can't say that about a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL to that extent, I think. Anyway, all right, number two, the Packers. The Green Bay Packers, who of course went 13-3 and last season and were in the NFC Championship game. They're going to be better this season than they were last season. Well, here's what's funny. I don't think they'll have a better record because I think they won some tight games last year that we're still trying to figure out how they pulled out. And they won a lot of close games, a lot of shootout contests, uh, when they were 13 and three, but nobody really thought they were a 13 and three team. So I think they're, they might be a better squad and maybe more built for playoffs. Remember they did win a playoff game at home against the Seahawks before uh, just not showing up uh, in Santa Clara in the, in the conference title game. But I think they might be more built for the playoffs than that, but might be more uh, a 10, 11 win team. Um, I think there's more depth. I think a second year of, of Matt LaFleur as head coach and, mm -hmm. You can't, uh, you can't deny Aaron Rodgers already in midseason form, and, and he needs an injury-free year. He got it back last year, didn't have one the year before, uh, certainly didn't have one when he got knocked out in the 2017 season. So they have, a, they have Detroit at home next week. They could get off to a real nice 2-0 start and start to lay the table out for themselves. 
Number three, the Browns are going to be even worse this season than they were last season. Ooh, I think there is no potential for that, and I uh, I don't think they can possibly be worse than six and ten. But that was an alarm bell of a game yesterday to uh, make you question whether they can sneak in as a six seed or a seven seed into the AFC playoffs. Uh, if it if it could go if it could go wrong, it was going to go wrong, and it kept going wrong and wrong and wrong. Uh, for Baker Mayfield on offense. So, um, you know, through decent running performances as well, Hunt and Chubb got 132 yards combined on the ground. And uh, if you do that, Cleveland should win the vast majority of your games. But Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough, utterly outclassed by Lamar Jackson. And uh, Cleveland, we talked about this schedule-wise as well. Next two home games for them are Cincinnati and Washington. They need to win both of them, or there's no shot at being a 500 team this year. None. Uh, that's a great point. And just on that, I meant to say, actually, to go back to the 49ers, that is the, uh, the uh, light at the end of the tunnel as far as uh, yesterday was concerned because their next four games, uh, Greg, the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Dolphins. So uh, they can get back in the saddle pretty quickly, you would think, uh, with most of those. All right. Um, I love deciding who is going to be MVP after just one week. Not even a complete week yet, let's be frank. Uh, Russell Wilson is a lock for the MVP, isn't he? After yesterday's performance, 31 to 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Didn't cough it up once. He was also Seattle's leading rusher. And that said something given how decent that rushing attack is. Is Russell Wilson going to be MVP this year? It's tough to figure that it hasn't, you know, it's one of those scenarios that it, it hasn't happened yet. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, we've had quarterbacks obviously all over the place. It's, it's been nothing but quarterbacks winning since you got to go back to Adrian Peterson in 2012. So it's gone Manning, Rodgers, Newton, Ryan, Brady for a third time two seasons ago, Patrick Mahomes, and then Lamar, or three seasons ago, and then Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I it's uh, I can't see Russell Wilson getting it ahead of Patrick Mahomes. I think the stats are going to be too considerable, though. I think those are the two top seeds in each conference. I think there's just such Mahomes love right now. Um, Mahomes gets it as a slight edge over Wilson right now. Okay. I said there were six. I'm going to do five because one of the other ones was Trubisky. We kind of covered Trubisky. So mm-hmm. the fifth and final opening day overreaction. Uh, place kicking is a lot more dangerous than people think. Because, of course, Randy Bullock, who, who, who missed the 31-yarder, which is a chip shot, which is a routine kick to make, uh, to tie the game for the Bengals. A heartbreak for, for Joe Burrow on his debut. More of Burrow and your perspective on his debut in just a minute. But what we loved about Randy Bullock uh, missing the field goal was immediately going to the hammy, immediately pulling that, that trick. Uh, Ollie and I were WhatsApping each other. And of course, Ollie, uh, our, our producer, a diehard Bengals fan. So he was going through a whole range of emotions at that point. But uh, and this is a testament to the kind of man Ollie is. Uh, saluted the brilliance of Randy Bullock, even if uh, his hamstring is absolutely fine. This is as strong as yours or mine, Greg Brady. Uh, he went straight for that excuse, which is just a, a, a genius move. I love it. Uh, I love Randy Bullock. Um, so do you buy into place kicking a lot more dangerous than people think? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it in the least. Uh, I think a couple things. I think one, you know, we were talking about Gronk earlier. Maybe Randy Bullock has a WWE career ahead of him because <laughs> you're going to need to pretend that you've got some physical vulnerabilities and some dizziness and some injuries that you may not. I know it's a physical, it's a physical entertainment uh, adventure. I almost said sport, 
but uh, it's a physical entertainment venture. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to exaggerate and and uh, play that uh, play that acting card a little bit right there. The second thing is the the kicker getting hurt on a kick like that to force overtime is is that is that more Bengals than the Lions being more Lions and blowing their fourth quarter lead against the Bears? It might be a tie. Gosh, tie goes to the runner in baseball. It might be a tie. That is, uh, that is a pick 100% a pick but it's a fine <laughs> analogy. Uh, just a quick line on Joe Burrow's uh, debut before we get out of Dodge, because he wasn't, mm, it wasn't uh, anything to, to write home about until the dying stages when he looked like he was masterminding maybe a win, uh, at the very least to come back to tie it and take it to overtime, and of course let down by uh, and others, uh, other people, including Randy Bullock in the end. So he showed a lot of composure, showed a lot of moxie to to not get too phased after he'd had a, a pretty indifferent debut up until that point. What did you think of it, Jay, uh, Greg? Yeah, I, I thought steady enough. And I thought there were moments he said himself after the game. And, and again, I love the, uh, the humanity and, and the, um, uh, how would I put it? He's got a, a certain awareness, a self-awareness that we're worried that Baker Mayfield doesn't have, or, or Cam Newton's been even criticized for not having at times. So Burrow said, you know, I, I didn't play well enough for us to win the game. That said, we've talked about the offensive pass interference penalty in Cowboys Rams. He threw a late touchdown pass to AJ Green that caught, got called back before that missed kick. So that 69 yard drive uh, could have ended up being uh, an 80 plus yard touchdown drive without the OPI penalty. So uh, one of those scenarios where I think he's going to, you know, come along, he's going to progress. I'm real excited to see uh, how he plays against uh, uh, how he plays against Baker Mayfield. I think those Ohio games are going to be fantastic with uh, with Bengals v Browns twice this year. So I think steady enough. I, I wouldn't say there's any reason for Bengals fans to be concerned or disappointed. Not not at all. Okay, well, that's an optimistic assessment of week one and uh, I think a pretty complete roundup of the action so far. Apologies if we didn't get to your team, but hey, we are here all through the season. There is plenty of time for that, plenty of time uh, to wax lyrical or otherwise about how your team is getting on. Uh, as we said during the radio show last night, Greg, a couple of hours in, it is great to have football back, isn't it? Fantastic. It's, uh, it's, it's made uh, Sunday afternoon a destination point. Uh, I know we're excited to do a lot of work on, uh, on the season as it moves along. And uh, it's going to be interesting as well because there's going to be that evolution of fans coming back into the games. I think we're all prepped more for sort of that the distance crowd thing that Arrowhead Stadium set us up for. And I think there were, what, only fans at, at one game uh, right. yesterday all told. So um, it's different when fans are there. Um, of course, there's safety and protocol and, uh, and, and, you know, moving in the right direction when it comes to COVID. And I know all of us are, uh, are struggling with the do's and don'ts six months into this, but uh, it was great to get week one and in, in almost completely in the books and can't wait to see whether uh, so many of our overreactions are deemed just that <laughs> after two games instead of one. Oh, we look forward to that. Already looking forward to next week's overreactions. Great work uh, from Ollie as well. Greg, salute again from across the pond. Check in soon. Got it, guys. Thanks so much. Lovely stuff from Mr. Brady. He will be back. You can guarantee that part of our regular all-pro lineup here on the Nat Coombs Show. We are back on Friday getting a set for week two, all the weekend's action preview special coming your way. That's how it's going to roll. Every Friday morning, first thing, we'll be getting you up to speed on all the key things you need to know about the forthcoming action that weekend. But of course, there are a couple of games in between that Monday Night Football doubleheader, in fact, as we're recording this on a Monday. So we'll be dropping videos and other content 
on our social channels. So at the NC Show is how you follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, for lots of bonus stuff over there. So make sure you check it out. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us, whichever podcatcher you follow us on, you won't miss an episode. Thanks again to Greg. We will see you Friday. Bye for now. Podcast Network. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.